Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. It seems to happen a lot. This was a particular lady who said to me, you know, my husband and I have been together since high school. We were high school sweethearts. We met when we were 16 and shortly thereafter we started dating each other and we have been together ever since. 30 years we've been married and now he wants out. As a matter of fact, he's not living at home anymore. He's living someplace else and and it's like my whole life has fallen apart. He's been such a part of it my entire adulthood, even the end of my adolescence. How in the world can I go on without him? It's like I don't know if I can live without him. The pain of his leaving is even deeper. It's like the pain of my life being over. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Radio. You may have experienced this, or you may know people who have experienced this and who want to know more about it. And that's what I want to know as well. So I have a very special guest with me today, David Matthews. He is the head of ministry called Spark of Life, and they help people dealing with loss. David, let me ask that question to begin with. Is her life over? She thinks it's over and certainly feels like it's over, Joe, because uh, all her, of her love in her life has gone into this man mm-hmm. and and he's left mm-hmm. and she feels like it's over. But it just working with so many people over the years, uh, I know it, it doesn't have to be over at all. In fact, there's great hope there. Hmm. I want to find out about that. I'm going to ask you questions in a few minutes, if I may, about how can there be hope? when it appears to be so hopeless. But first, let's let them know who you are so they'll understand that you really know what you're talking about here. I've known David for years. He's a dear friend of mine. But let me introduce him by asking him this question. And it's not the easiest question in the world to answer. David, how did you learn so much about loss? Well, first of all, I dealt with people with loss for about 40 years in ministry, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, with many cases exactly like you just described. It, it was almost a weekly experience with me with people feeling hopeless because of of marriage difficulties because mm-hmm. of the love lost in their marriage and the spouse leaving and then about 10 years ago our grandson died and i saw the horrific uh, grief that our son and daughter-in-law were experiencing but not until i admitted that i was in grief mm. not only with losing a grandson but uh, watching your own child go through such loss yeah and I had to admit that I was in grief, that mm-hmm. I had experienced a loss, and I was trying to go around help, you know, being strong for others, and mm-hmm. trying to help other people. And so this, this lady that you've described, uh, I think the first thing to get hope back is to admit that you are hopeless. <laughs> so oh. really what she has said is, mm-hmm. is something very good when she said, I feel hopeless. Okay. And I want to ask you more about that. But the fact that you've experienced it and... and, and I'm so sorry that you did experience this, but was that enough to teach you what you needed to know, or did you have to do something else to learn more about how to deal with this? Oh, I had to do a lot more. I had to read, study, uh, talk to people who knew a lot more than I knew about it, and and then start working with people directly in our Spark of Life ministry who had experienced uh, 
you know, marriage loss, uh, children loss, uh, all mm-hmm. kinds of losses. And one thing we learned in this experience for the last 10 years is that often non-death things that happen to us, such as divorce or marriage struggles, mm-hmm. we don't identify as loss. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we think something's wrong with us. What, what did I do to deserve this? How mm-hmm. did I fail? Uh, I must be a worthless person. All that comes into play, along with the loneliness and the, the change in a familiar pattern of living. You know, this woman knew this man since she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And so all of that uh, just led us to deal with people who had experienced things like this. And so one of the fundamental things is to admit to admit exactly what you're feeling mm-hmm. and not giving yourself permission to grieve. So did you do that when Josiah died? Well, it took me a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt hopeless because I couldn't fix my kid. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take away his pain. Mm-hmm. And then uh, dear people who were close to us uh, helped me understand that it's okay for me to have my pain as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know many people that we deal with in marriage difficulties have to be strong for their children. Yeah. And what that does Certainly, we have to be there for our children, mm-hmm. but I need to give myself permission to grieve yeah. a real loss. I'm not weak because I'm in grief. I am hurt. I'm in pain. And the, the quicker I admit it and I, mm-hmm. and I give myself permission, we call it going to the pit of grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I try to stay out of that pit of grief, I am more likely to stay in it longer. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to summarize what you've said so far, if I may. You first experienced a grievous loss. Then you went through a process of education to learn more about it. And then for the last 10 years, you've been experiencing it again, but vicariously through thousands of people that you've helped through this. And so your experience, as well as your education of this, gives you a lot of insight into it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I hate that I had the experience. <laughs> yeah, too, too, my yeah. friend. And I don't know that I could do the retreats you do with people who are all there feeling that kind of loss. That's so much pain. But we'll talk more about your ministry toward the end of this so people can find out about you. But let's just now go back to that question we had to begin with. And you've been answering it, but let's get more specific. So when you feel hopeless, like there is no hope, is there hope? There's hope because you've stated you felt hopeless. You, you've given yourself permission. You've been honest uh, with what's going on deep inside of you. And so, uh, yes, there's great hope. Uh, now, you realize that sounds like an oxymoron. You just tell me <laughs> that right. I'm going to have hope because I admit I feel hopeless. Uh, can you help yeah. me understand a little more about that? Well, I will. Uh, I'll try. Uh, we have uh, many men come to our retreats that uh, are there to support their wives, for example, if they've lost a loved one, or maybe their mother or their sister. And uh, they don't admit that they're hurting. Mm-hmm. They don't admit it. Mm-hmm. They have to be strong. They have to, whatever the case may be. We've had women who've come whose husbands have left them. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- when, when they finally admit that they are grieving, mm-hmm. that they're not crazy, that they're not weak, even though they feel weak, when they give themselves permission to go to that pit that, you know, our, our metaphor is the pit of grief that we use. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they say, I feel hopeless, that is exactly what they're feeling. So they're not denying it. Okay. I, I'm hearing you. You're getting there slowly. But I want to make sure that I'm understanding yeah. the application of this. Okay. So 
tell me if I'm messed up. Okay. <laughs> this was several years ago. As a matter of fact, 16 years ago. When our, our first grandson was born, uh, he had his lungs filled with all kinds of terrible liquids, and it looked like it was going to be a long, long ordeal just to get him out of uh, intensive care for children, for babies. And and when the other, uh, when my son-in-law's mother walked in the room uh, and heard the news, she started to kind of go in a little bit of a meltdown, like, you know, and I said, no, we have to be strong for them. So... Yeah. I did the wrong thing. <laughs> if I did, tell me. I, I'm, I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm trying well, to learn. It's not so much right and wrong. It's what's helpful and what's not helpful. And what you did is very typical of, of men in general, and women do the same thing. But when you say you have to be strong, that could be true for a while for certain situations. Mm-hmm. But what tends to happen is when somebody says you have to be strong, they're not giving themselves permission to be weak. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I, if I fight against it, what, what happens is you stuff all those feelings. And, and you do great work with uh, couples in crisis, and I've, I've helped you along the way for many years now. And, and we know when I stuff, okay, when, I, when I'm not honest with what's going on inside of me, it can cause tremendous problems in the relationship because it's not, you're not being honest with what's going on. Okay. I'm, I'm, I know I'm asking devil's advocate here, but I'm really trying to make sure I understand because I'm not disagreeing with your principle. I'm just trying to understand the application. So uh, my wife just walked out the door. My children are distraught. They're falling apart. They're dropping onto the floor, almost fainting. Does, is that when I allow myself to feel that same kind of emotion and fall apart with them or not? Well, I mean, every situation is different, but being honest with your feelings, if, if your five-year-old says, Mama, Mommy, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest would be saying, I miss your daddy, mm-hmm. and I'm hurting. Okay. Okay. And so when, when somebody admits what's going on, like the, the woman who says, I feel hopeless, if she mm-hmm. says that in front of somebody who cares, mm-hmm. and she's validated, mm-hmm. and that's why one of my notes here that I want to talk about was, how do I get hope when I... I, I I feel hopeless. Yeah, let's do that. Talk about yeah. that. Well, I, one of the, the basic things is not only giving myself permission to go to that pit of grief, but to share with somebody else to get some help. And what happens if I come to Joe and Joe said, how are you doing with the loss of your grandson? And I try to be strong and I don't share that with you. Um, I'm going to blow up someday. Yeah. I, it's going to be worse. But if I say to Joe, Joe, I'm feeling hopeless and you just accept me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And you don't try to fix me. And so you validate my emotions. What you're doing is saying, David, you're not crazy. You're Mm -hmm. grieving. I'm here with you. And as I, and I, if I share that grief with somebody I trust, it could be a counselor, a therapist, it could be a friend, it could be a a pastor, a preacher, it could be anybody like that. Mm -hmm. When I share that, and and I'm not trying to deny my, my feelings of hopelessness, And, and somebody will just accept me. And it can only be, I mean, it could only be one person. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to get before a thousand people and do this, but just one person who validates you. And you just said, it's going to be somebody that I trust. It's somebody that I trust. It could be a family member or a dear friend. But, so there's a caveat. It's not necessarily displaying it or revealing what I feel before everybody. Right. So maybe, maybe in some situations, Doing that in front of my two-year-old right now might not be the right thing. Oh, it might not be. But I still need to be able to admit to myself, I feel hopeless. Yes. 
And yeah. to be able to tell that to somebody who's not going to go, oh, it's going to be all right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Somebody will just shut up and listen. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when people tell me, like, you know, I'll be at a funeral and a loved one dies and they go, well, he's in a better place. Right. I just want to knock him down. I know. <laughs> I want to slap him. But I don't. We, I don't do that. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not good at all. So I got to, uh, if I'm going to have this hope, I need to be able to come to, to accept and admit my hopelessness. Right. And then to share it with at least one person yes. who will care. Yes. And, and what do I expect that person to do, David? Well, I hope the person, uh, if you trust them, you could even say, I don't want you to try to fix me. Mm -hmm. I just have to share this with you. I feel hopeless. I, my husband left. I don't know what to do. Um, I feel totally alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, if the person it, you can trust will just be there, all you have to do is be there for me. Just listen. Mm -hmm. Then then I'm validated and I, I, I become... Now, this takes time, obviously. How much time? Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could give you the, uh, uh, the answer. I appreciate if, honest answers. And if you, if you read any grief books that say it takes a year, it takes six months, well, throw that book away because... It, there is no simple answer like that for time. Hmm. But I will say it's what you do with the time that makes a difference. And the other, the other thing that I think is very important in this is that I've got to recognize that recovery from any kind of loss is possible. It, it's very possible. And there is no time limit on it, but it, it's achieved by a series of small and correct steps, choices made by the one who is grieving. And and so recovery from loss is so in a marriage loss, who's responsible for my recovery? I think it's going to have to be you. It's going to have to be me. Mm -hmm. And what we teach people in the marriage workshops is work on their pies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Mm -hmm. I can't fix my spouse. Right. I can't uh, keep my spouse from walking out that door. I might try, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I can start working on me. And in, in grief work, we want to empower people when they experience tremendous loss mm -hmm. and, and uh, marriage difficulty, as we know, is tremendous loss. Yeah. And it's very much like death. But these losses are, are, are vital for us to label as losses and then give myself permission to grieve. I'm not crazy. And then... Uh, okay, empower. to clarify, well, yeah. do people actually think they're crazy? Oh, absolutely. In what ways? Well, if I'd have only done something different, uh, okay, uh, or uh, if, if going back to your example, the woman who, whose husband has left, mm -hmm. uh, she can she can start thinking there's something wrong with me. Yeah, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do? And certainly she did something wrong. We've all done things that, wrong. She's not perfect. Yeah, right. And so because we're not perfect, we tend to maximize our role in it, mm -hmm. and it's very easy to say. I, because I feel rejected. I have been rejected. Mm -hmm. So something's wrong with me. I'm weak. If, if I happen to be a faith person in whatever kind of faith, mm -hmm. I've heard faith people say, if you just had more faith, you'd uh, be stronger. Let's so, talk about that just for a second. I, I don't want to get you off topic much. No, it's not off topic. <laughs> Why is that such an asinine thing to say? Because I already feel bad enough with the loss, mm -hmm. right? I already know my sins. I know I'm weak. Mm -hmm. I know how screwed up Dave Matthews is. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, when the preacher or the whatever uh, faith leader gets up and says, put a smile on your faith, face, 
And if you just had enough faith, you could get through this. Mm. I don't feel that. I don't feel like I have great faith. Then I start questioning my faith and I might be piling more loss onto me. My mm-hmm. husband left, this lady thinks, mm-hmm. and then she doesn't feel like praising God. It's like God abandoned her too, huh? And God abandoned her. And then on top of that, what's wrong with my faith? I'm, I'm so bad, mm. I, uh, God couldn't love me either. Mm. And so then it just, it's one loss piled upon other losses. Wow. Now let's just speak to that theologically for a second. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming your theology is similar to mine. My understanding of scripture is that God does do miraculous and wonderful things, but God is not at my beck and call that, that there are going to be difficulties. And where Jesus told his apostles, I'm paraphrasing now, but go back to the middle of Matthew chapters nine, 10 through there when he, and I'm paraphrasing where basically he said to them, you think they were tough on the prophets. You think they're being bad to me. Just wait till you see what they do to you. And so we were never given those scriptures saying, if we just love Jesus and went to Sunday school, and gave <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that that nothing bad was ever going to happen to us. Yet there's some who teach that theology. And I think I think you would agree with me that what that leads to is people having their faith destroyed when life does tumble in, which Jesus said it would. And often we think if we pray long enough, hard enough yeah. for my spouse to come back. Mm. And if they don't, what and I certainly have prayed for marriages as you have. Mm-hmm. I prayed for people very close to me who had the same situation you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But to think that if I pray hard enough, um, everything's going to work out the way I think it should. Mm-hmm. I think it ignores a fundamental principle of free will. Yeah. That people have free will and I can choose to be a jerk or not. <laughs> I, I can choose to, <laughs> yeah. I can choose to, to leave. I can choose to do bad things. Yeah. And, uh, now, does prayer help? Of course it does. But who does it help, right? And, mm-hmm. and I don't have the answers to all of that. But I, I don't either. Yeah. My, my neighbor, Leanne McCoy, writes a, lot, writes a lot of books about prayer, David. And I was interviewing her sometime back, and, and I, she was saying something about prayer. And I said, Leanne, here's the name of your next book. And I, every time I see her now, I say, when's this book coming out? I wanted to name her next book, Pray Them Into the Pig Pen. Because sometimes that's what the prayer does. You don't change them. God won't change them. He gives them free will, as you said. But I have on occasion prayed, Lord, just knock the props out from under them. Absolutely. I've done the same thing. So pray them into the pig pen like the prodigal son. All right, David. So this applies to marriage. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I'm really trying to grasp this a little better. So way back. Wow, this is 47 years ago when I was two. (laughs) <laughs> okay. yeah, well, I was yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way back, about 47 years ago, our oldest daughter, Angel, was in Eggleston Children's Hospital, hospital in Atlanta. Uh, she was going to have some surgery. She was six weeks old. Going to have surgery, and the doctor told us it's 50-50. Wonderful hospital then. I'm sure it's still a wonderful hospital now. Amazing nurses. But there was a lady there, a relatively young woman, mid-20s, I would assume, and her child was very young. And the surgery he needed, the baby needed, couldn't be done until the child weighed at least seven pounds. Now, maybe today they can do it at three ounces, but you know, this was 47 years ago. The, the, the kid had to weigh at least seven pounds and he weighed like five and a half. And every day he was losing another ounce or two. And yet she was, oh, I know he's going to get better. I know he's going to get to seven pounds. I know the surgery is going to work. I don't have any doubt in my mind. So is that the right way for me, if I'm in a situation like to 
to approach that or not. I mean, you, you want to have faith. You want to believe that good things are going to happen. And she was clinging to that hope, even though he was losing another ounce or two day right. by day. And I, I do believe that if miracles can happen and exactly. they can turn around. Yeah. So in this context, and I know, David, you don't have all the absolute answers. I know that. But you've dealt with this a lot more than I have. Is that what she should have been doing? Or should have been, what should she have been doing? Well, it's easy for me to say what she should yeah, be doing. Yeah, I, 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 I hesitate to say what she should be doing. Okay. I, I would be praying as she did. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be praying for a miracle. I would be praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the midst of that prayer, I think, uh, is mixed with the free will and that things are not always going to turn out the way I want them to do, uh, to be. And that, that God has a, a great purpose for us. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, we know this to have relationship right. with us throughout eternity. Mm-hmm. And this is hard for me to say. But God views the value of this earth quite differently than Dave Matthews. Yeah. He puts more value on it than I do at times. Yeah. All right. And he puts less value on it than I do. His yeah. number one goal is not to save me from pain every day. His number one goal is to love me in the midst of these things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes. So, but then he said, take heart or take courage. I have overcome this world. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the answer. Uh, it, it sounds trite. It sounds, you know, but, but, you know, you say, how do you get hope when you feel hopeless mm-hmm. to understand this world is not all there is, right? All there is. And, and that, you know, that's kind of preachery, I guess. Yeah. But, but well, I, we know our Old Testament where King David prayed for his son right. and prayed he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't bathe. I mean, it was just nonstop fasting prayer. And then when he was told the son was dead, he got up and took a bath and ate. Right. And remember, the people around him were like, what? What's going on? It didn't make sense to them. And it, But you understand it, right? Yeah, yeah, I do understand it. Because it was real faith. Yeah, that's real faith. All right. God won't always do it my way, but now this child yeah. is with God. And I have the right to get angry at God. Yeah. I have the right to say I don't like it. Uh, have, why have, you ever, have you ever shouted at God? Oh, I've shook my fist at God. <laughs> Me too. Shouted. I've thrown rocks, not at God, at the tree God made. I've thrown rocks at the tree God made because I was really hacked. Hmm. And uh, going back, you know, we're kicking around a lot of stones here, but going back to uh, being real with my feelings, mm-hmm. you know, led to a study of lament in Scripture and the lament uh, in Scripture is a powerful testimony mm-hmm. to the right we have to be honest with our feelings, even with God. And and that kind of circles back to this woman yeah, admitting we, we she's hopeless. Back to. Yeah. All right. So I did listen to her. So at least I did that right. right. Okay. You did that right. <laughs> I listened to her. I, I tried not to give her false hope, which is a thing I want to ask you about also in a couple of minutes. But we've talked about other kinds of losses. Let's come back to this marriage thing now. So she it's okay for her to feel hurt and yes. angry and abandoned, not just by her husband, but by God. Exactly. And I guess probably even by some of the people that that she felt like were, would stand beside her and help her, who just basically walked out of her life, right. either because they didn't know what to do or because they sided with him in some yeah. weird way or something. Right. So she's got a right to heal all those things. Yes. Okay. But that doesn't make it better, does it? No, it doesn't make it better. What it 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 makes her honest. Uh, it, you know, all recovery 
of any kind of loss is rooted in honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you struggle with alcohol, what's the first step? To admit. To admit you're an alcoholic. And, yeah. and you're powerless. And it, it, it starts with honesty. And so being honest with my feelings of hopelessness and then uh, it's amazing what happens when I give myself permission to feel bad. How's that? Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping trying to stop myself from feeling bad. That, it requires a whole lot of energy to mm-hmm. deny those, those, those gut feelings that I have. Mm-hmm. This woman has every right to feel bad. Mm-hmm. She's lost something very special and a lot of years of investment and her hopes have been shattered. Her dreams have been shattered. She's experienced deep loss. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not a death loss, as we like to assume that all losses are. They're not all death losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this woman giving herself permission to feel bad, and then, and then that, that's not a pleasant thing to do, no. to give myself permission. Right. Uh, and sometimes I have to get up and take care of the kids, right? Right, right. And I have to go to work to right. earn money. Right. So you can do all of that. And still give yourself permission to grieve and, and to feel bad and then to empower yourself. You know, what we try to do at our retreats is empower people that they're in charge of their own recovery. Mm-hmm. And you're not crazy. Give yourself permission to grieve. Find some help that's good help. And, you know, our retreats are good help. Therapy is good help sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then good friends can be good help. And so when I, when I do that and I realize I'm not crazy and there's, it, it's not that I'm the big failure, even though I feel failure, like a failure, uh, then it, I can actually start doing the little things and to realize that I've already been in a healthy recovery, even in the midst of thinking I'm not. Okay. So I have a question here. Okay. It sounds as if you're saying that the first step, and I'm hearing this pretty loudly, is to be honest about what I feel. Exactly. Okay. So that's, that's crucial. And if that's the first step toward healing, then it's absolutely have to happen. Right. All right. So being honest means accepting that this loss has occurred. He has right. walked out the door. God's not going to grab him and throw him back in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And nobody else is either. Okay. So I right. accept that. Does it also mean accepting whatever role I played in the loss? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what we lead people to do in our retreats is to deal with the incompletes. Uh, so the incompletes that she might be feeling is resentment toward him mm-hmm. and then guilt that she wasn't a better wife. Mm-hmm. She could have both resentments and regrets. We all have regrets and resentments. Okay, and if those things have to be dealt with. And so when you said to look at her role, mm-hmm. absolutely, that's the regrets. And, and sometimes, Joe, you know this, in situations like you mentioned, sometimes he is the total villain. I've seen it. And sometimes the one that is left is the, is yeah. the total villain <laughs> in her but, eyes. Yeah. In her own eyes, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, you know, the, the old AA thing about the, the moral inventory, you don't just focus on the negative of yourself. You focus on the positive and the mm-hmm. negative. So it's a balance of saying, I have resentments toward him. He did me wrong. Mm-hmm. And to admit that to yourself and then, but I have some regrets that I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and through these, uh, the marriage helper workshops that you've, you've done so well, and it's so powerful. 
the people really need to go through that forgiveness exercise that we put the people through mm-hmm. and forgiveness of self, mm-hmm. which is really accepting forgiveness. That, that's my regrets that I have, what I right. did that hurt the relationship, but also forgive what they did that mm-hmm. hurt the relationship. And that's not always real quick, as you know. Okay. That takes some time. Yeah, it does. And so I like what you're saying here. I'm not only accepting whatever I didn't do right or well, I'm also accepting what I did do right or well. Exactly. Balancing those things out. Yeah. Okay. And, so what ha- what happens then? What's the next step? Or well, is there a step? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the five the, the five stages of grief is is a myth, by the way, and we could get into that. There 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 are no neat little stages or steps that we go through and voila, here we are cured. Yeah, I uh, think Kubler Ross, when she first came out with that, did do a service in getting us to think about the fact that something's yeah, going on. Yeah. But then you're right. People just married that and said, Oh, these are exactly what's going to happen yeah. and when they're going to happen. And that was yeah. never the case. Yeah. And she was talking about those who had had the pronouncement from a doctor that they had six months to live. Yeah. What, what are common responses that, that people who get the death sentence from a doctor, what do they go through? So it was a monumental work. She used yeah. to be commended yeah. because those things are basically true. If somebody pronounces, Joe, you've got six months to live, you, you might you, deny. You don't, you don't know something I don't know. No, 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 no. But, but in general, grief, can you better define grief for us just for a second? Well, grief is the normal and natural response to loss of any kind. And, and it's normal and it's natural. If a bomb goes off out there today, mm-hmm. We are going to respond to that bomb without thinking. Mm-hmm. And it might be fear, anxiety, a, a host of emotions that come over anger, us. Anger, yeah. Anger, a confusion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when the bomb goes off in our life, you know, when a bomb goes off in our life, those, uh, those emotions are going to come and they're going to be very natural and normal. Yeah. So uh, grief is the natural and normal response to loss of any kind. And the experts say there's about 40, 42 major losses a person can go through in their life. And most of us will go through six to seven major losses in can a normal you give lifespan. Can a couple of examples of what you mean by major? Well, it would be obviously death of a loved one, mm-hmm. divorce, mm-hmm. Uh, separation, marriage problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, could all be in that category of major loss. Uh, a career change, retirement. Marriage can be a loss, a loss of independence, a loss. Mm -hmm. The second definition of loss is loss is the change of or uh, the end of a familiar pattern of behavior. It's conflicting feelings caused by that. So when so when somebody, a husband walks out, Mm -hmm. okay, the 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 wife could feel conflicted feelings. She Mm -hmm. could be relieved because maybe maybe he was an abusive husband. And she could also feel very lonely and feel afraid and feel feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. So she has conflicting feelings. Uh, relief that the war is going to temporarily cease as far as the, yeah. the verbal barrage, but also deep sadness and, and feelings of failure. So those are conflicting feelings. Hmm. A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours many years ago, his uh, severely handicapped daughter died. Okay. Severely handicapped, much more than, than my oldest daughter who has handicaps. And I contacted him at the time, and he took my call only because of the fact that I also had a, a handicapped daughter. He was avoiding most other people. And what I said to him is, uh, I think that what you're feeling, 
you feel guilty about and good about. <laughs> you feel guilty about the fact that you're feeling some relief right. because of, of the tremendous financial and emotional burden mm-hmm. she was. Guilty that you feel some relief because you love her with all your heart and you want her to be with you. Happy that she's free from this body because based on our beliefs, she's now right. you know, free of that burden. And so just a whole bunch of conflicting emotions. And what I'm hearing you say is that that doesn't have to occur just with a the death of a severely handicapped child, that can be just about any, any loss. Any loss. Swirling of emotions. Swirling there. of emotions. And the conflicting feelings make can help me think I'm something wrong with me. Hmm. Instead of, you know, reframing what's happened to, it, it doesn't mean something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's normal and natural for me to feel this way. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing at our retreats is you're not crazy. You're not weak in faith, even though you feel weak in faith. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your faith is gone, mm-hmm. even though you think it is. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that that life is over, even though you think it is. Okay. And so we want to empower people that what they're going through is normal and natural, and it stinks, and I hate that you go through it, but yeah. these conflicting feelings, that's why this honesty with my feelings is so important. Yeah. It's so, it's so vital that I realize my feelings are okay, mm-hmm. and God is not ready to disown me because I have feelings toward Him that might not be positive, and and all these other conflicting feelings. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he can take it, and I think that's one of the reasons he he came down in the form of the Son, Jesus, yes. to be one of us, so he can actually say, "I know what that feels like." Yeah, yeah. I've been there. I did lose people that I love and care about. Yeah. I know. I understand what you're feeling. In fact, divine grief is is a great model for how how God and Jesus handled their grief is a great can model you, for how we handle our grief. Can you explain that a little bit? Jesus uh, said, "My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death." In Mark 14, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus opened up his heart to three trusted friends: mm-hmm. Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And he went and he prayed. He didn't get the answer he wanted nope. from the prayer. <laughs> no, he didn't. He no. didn't get the support he needed from his friends. They fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his mother and his brothers earlier in Mark had come to take him away, and that's found in Mark 6. Yeah. And, and they thought he was losing it, probably the brothers more than the mom. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. They thought he was losing it. He, he lost relationship with the Father, okay, Father mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. that he— had had he had a change of of uh, relationship it, it was really different than he had ever had mm-hmm. he and tasted sin he, even though he did know sin he became our sin bearer second Corinthians 5 which means that he felt he felt like a sinner if I mm-hmm. may say that yeah I without think right. ever sinning second Corinthians chapter 5 yeah. so you list all of his losses mm-hmm. of his life they're enormous and he didn't deny his feelings. Father, why have you forsaken me? Gives me great hope that mm-hmm. when I feel that toward God, somebody much greater than David has yeah. felt it as well and expressed it, and God embraced him. So that's good, David. I mean, I knew all those facts. I never thought about them arranged like that. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, divine grief. How did how did the divine? How did deity handle loss? They did it in exactly the same way that we're prescribing here. It's exactly the same. Hmm. Jesus gives us the model of how to deal when life goes south on us hmm. and, and when people don't respond the way we want them to respond. And it's an amazing thing about his honesty with his feelings 
his reaching out to people that mm-hmm. he was much greater than, by the way, mm-hmm. and and then him doing something about it. And uh, and we can't give the whole retreat in, in an hour on right, a podcast. Right, I understand that. But the purpose, what is the purpose of living? We talk about this in the workshop as well, mm-hmm. right? about our life dreams, our desires, mm-hmm. life desires. Mm-hmm. Jesus had a purpose. Father, restore me to me the glory I had with you before the world began. Mm-hmm. He had something to look forward to. So he had purpose and he found purpose. And, and part of, and by the way, he was also thankful for what he did have. And sometimes when we lose something that is so dear to us, uh, uh, such as a spouse leaving us, and, and we, we're just devastated, Eventually, as we climb out of that pit, you know, and it takes time, uh, when our lives are filled with a purpose, that's what restores hope, that I have a purpose to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it might be just to help somebody else. And so, uh, and then on Thanksgiving, and we do this at our retreat, we make everybody write down one thing that they're thankful for mm-hmm. on Sunday. Uh, and their assignment when they go home is every day, take 30 seconds, right? down in their gratitude journal, we supply them with mm-hmm. one thing I'm thankful for. And uh, sometimes we get so wrapped up with what we've lost, we lose sight of what we have. Yeah. And so Jesus did all that. That's why he, he never lost sight of it, even though he felt devastated and he felt forsaken as that woman felt mm-hmm. when her husband left. Mm-hmm. And he gave himself permission to express it. And then he, you know, he went through... And he did the will of the Father, even though he felt weak. And he did feel weak. Yeah, he did. David, I really want to flesh that out more, but I want to do it in our next podcast. Okay. And, and what I want to do is to ask you specifically, okay, we made it pretty clear, and you've done an eloquent job of this, of helping this lady and any others listening to us, no matter what the loss they feel is. But obviously, since this is marriage mm-hmm. radio, a lot of people will be coming here to listen to this mm-hmm. because of marriage problems. That the first step is to admit what's going on, right? right? To accept it, to be honest with yourselves about what you feel and that it's okay to feel that. And that, and, and you've done a great job of explaining that how God reacts to that at the religious people. Uh, and the next program I want to ask specific questions, one will be, so how do you get past being angry at God? Okay. How do you get past being angry at that person who hurt you? And how do you find true hope again? You've already touched on it, but I want you to flesh that out of the next program. Now, before we do that, though, I want you to explain what Spark of Life is. Well, Spark of Life began when Josiah died and our grandson. And being in ministry for 40 years, we just, uh, Debbie and I looked at each other and we said, what are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. Okay, this mess. Mm-hmm. Uh and so through prayer and through talking to people, we, we wanted to do something to honor those who are grieving, uh, not only to honor them, but to encourage them and to give them hope again. Mm-hmm. So we developed a three-day uh, retreat. It starts on Thursday night, ends on Sunday at noon. We have these retreats, uh, usually about 16 people come, and they, uh, uh, they, they come from all kinds of losses, many non-death losses, many divorced people come, many people are separated. Uh, we've had some great stories of people who've come mm-hmm. and have come to the workshop, yeah, and yeah, and uh, and vice versa, who have really put their marriage back together. 
but they had to admit their losses, and we're going to talk about that later in the next podcast. Because they still had to go through the grief, even yes. if they wound up putting it back together. Absolutely. I want everybody to hear that. That's really important. We'll hit next time. Yeah. And so your losses include people who've lost their businesses, yes. people who've lost their best friends. Their health. Uh, I've lost their careers. Uh, we've had a lot of people who have lost their uh, relationship with God, mm-hmm. that uh, that their their God is different now than he used to be in their in their and their understanding and yeah. their understanding and and they they've lost that and and so we put these retreats together at, at fabulous places, great food. We honor the people. We we serve them all weekend, and and it doesn't cost a dime. Uh, it's all given as a gift by Spark of Life and by by donors who help us, and it is fascinating. Our board refuses to accept a penny for people who come to these retreats. They can give later, and many of them do. Hmm. We don't charge anything for them to come, and uh, we lead them through a grief recovery process that is practical, that they can take home with them, mm-hmm. much like the workshops do. Because the, the the marriage workshops, marriage helper workshops, give people tools to use right. that they can use when they go home, and and right. miracles can happen when you use those tools. Yeah, and uh, so we do the same thing, and when they leave there, they have hope. Our goal is to give hope that though life can never be the same again after loss, life can still be rich and fulfilling. Say that one more time. The life can never be the same again after loss. Life can still be rich and fulfilling, and we teach them how to do that. Excellent. That's outstanding. I love that. I wish that our nonprofit could also do everything for free. But you can't. With the number of employees we have, the number of things we do, it just becomes impossible. But I'm happy that you have donors that help you yeah. to do that, and it's awesome. And so, David, if they want to find out more about that, how do they do that? Sparkoflife.org, sparkoflife.org. Our retreats uh, schedule, our retreat schedule for 2018 is coming out uh, any day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already submitted it to our web guy, and we're mm-hmm. just waiting for him to put it on the web. But we've done 83 retreats. We've served over 1,100 people. Awesome. But, but I do want to say we do have products that we sell uh, such as grief workshops for churches. We yeah. do that. And uh, suicide prevention programs for schools and for communities. And so we we do market so other a, things to make money in so order to— school superintendent listening right now or principal, they can go to sparkoflife.org and find out about your suicide prevention program? Well, they—yeah, they, when, when it gets put up on the website— well, at least they, they can, can find the number there to call Yeah, you. they can call us, and then we—in fact, we're doing a presentation in Shreveport, Louisiana this uh, February with some school districts, and it's going to awesome. be— Awesome. Yeah. And so, if a church— if somebody's listening who's yeah. a church officer, yeah. leader, hey, David, we would love to do something about grief to help our folks because I hope they're hearing it's not just about death, although right. that's crucial, that's big, right. but about so many things and how do we help our people with that. Then they can go on your website, find right. that same way to same contact thing. you. Contact us, and then we'll, uh, we're doing a grief workshop next week in Indiana for a church and their community. Uh, you know, people come from the community. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a wonderful thing. And by the way, a lot of people come with marriage issues. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of oh, people. You're going to be with my buddy Clay Humphreys up there, right? Oh, that's where we're going next week. Yeah, Clay, Clay. and Debbie, good friends yeah. of mine. As well, I want you to know that David and Debbie, his beautiful wife, actually lead our intensive workshops for marriages in crisis. That's why he here is in town, so that we can sit here and do this. Um, as of this recording, the time we're recording this in tomorrow morning, of course, you may be hearing this five years later, but tomorrow morning from the time we're recording this, he and Debbie will be with a room full, a big room, David, full of couples, all kinds of couples with all kinds of situations, and they do an outstanding job there. I encourage you to listen to the next podcast. It'll be on just a few days after this one, where we finish this up and talk about, okay, we, we've got the basic principles, but this lady's still figuring, how do I go on with my life? And we're going to help her with some principles about that, right? And we will be very specific ways that she can help herself. Fantastic. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome.